Welcome to the Crushing Cashflow Podcast, where we share phenomenal advice and dozens of decades of wisdom from investors and entrepreneurs of all types and all stages of their journeys. We'll cover many forms of cash flowing assets, such as real estate, stock investing, entrepreneurship, and general finance guidance. Listen in and learn from those who are crushing it out there, as well as those who have been crushed by business or their investments. Now, here's your host, Andrew Shutsky. Welcome back to Crushing Cashflow. This is Andrew Shutsky as usual. And with me today is Charlotte Dunford. Charlotte, how are you doing today? Pretty good. How about yourself? Doing real well. So a little background on Charlotte. She's a managing partner of Johns Creek Capital, an investment managing company that focuses on mobile home parks with a total of about $4 million of investor subscriptions, which is really impressive. They've got about 20 park investments currently on hand and assets under management. And what's interesting about Charlotte's background, she comes from really humble beginnings as a first-generation American citizen and a college graduate after leaving China with her just her belongings at age 16. So that's a unique story if I've ever heard one. <laughs> for sure, for sure. It's been an adventure, so it's great. So thanks for joining. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you here. Thanks for having me. So tell us about that. Let's go back you know, a couple of years now. When you moved to America, you know, really nothing to your name. What was that like? So I came here as a teenager without my parents, and it was more excitement than scary. I pretty much found a high school online and found a host family to live with, and I've never met them. So all of that to me was, you know, I was a Chinese city girl from northeastern China, from a small city, but still still a city going to the rural part of Pennsylvania, deep in the woods, in the forest. So it was definitely a transition, but it was fun. That's everything I've wanted. I've always wanted the most authentic experience ever to really understand American society for what it is and to really merge into the society. And 10 years later, I think in 2021, I became an American citizen. I think it's been a great experience. Well, congrats on becoming a citizen. That's a huge accomplishment. Thank you. So how do you go from, you know, being a teenager, you know, landing in rural PA, which is probably not far from where I live, to getting into real estate and especially the mobile side of things? You know, did you go right yeah. into that or were you do work odd jobs for a while? How did that work? Right. So I was 16, <laughs> right? And I went to high school and then I graduated to go to college. So I uh, attended one of the top engineering schools here in the South at the Georgia Institute of Technology. After that, I was a business major and I took a job as a business analyst here in Georgia where this college is. You know, a lot of college graduates stay at the city where they graduated college from, right? So, and then I was a business analyst for a year and a half and immediately after I took the job, I was interested in real estate. It has always been something of I was passionate about because where I was born and raised, it was a, you know, communist regime where you're not allowed to have your own property. You're only allowed to lease it from the government for 70 years. So you're not allowed to have any of your own property. So that combined with my always this drive to become successful, to be an entrepreneur. So all that combined together led me to my first deal. It's a single family home south of Atlanta where I used my salary, very little salary to qualify for the loan. And then that led to the second deal, which is also my savings and salaries to qualify for the second deal as a duplex. So after those two deals, I felt that I could make the jump, you know, if not now, when kind of thing. When I was 25 years old, I quit my full-time job and, you know, launched this venture called Johns Creek Capital that got into mobile home park space because it wasn't as 
extremely competitive as the apartments building space. And with mobile home parks, it's really the blue ocean strategy where the competition is not as fierce and I could still have a great share of profit for, you know, kind of my experience because those big boys who have been at multifamily and single family have been at that for generations, you know, yeah. decades. For me, just starting out, you know, I wanted to find a space where things were not as heated and mobile home park was a perfect start for me. Where I started, I was able to get parks at cap rate of over 10% easily. So that was a great start. That's really impressive. So I'm just curious, how did you land on mobile home parks? Obviously they're less competitive, you mentioned, but yeah, how did that even come across your radar? Right. So, you know, like I listen to podcasts, I read books and people talk about it. And I came across mobile home parks. I would never heard about that before. And I would like to explore it. You know, I'm always Mm. a firm believer in escaping competition and creating a monopoly in a small space where you're at and then expand on that. That's how you become successful. That's how Google made it. That's how PayPal made it. That's how all of the big firms made it. So for me, I wanted to find this niche market where not everybody is in, not everybody's after, because I believe if an opportunity is known by everybody as an opportunity, it's no longer an opportunity yeah. because too many people know about it. So at the time, mobile home parks, not many people knew about it. I found out and I had a way to get into it. The barrier of entry was quite low at the time. So I was able to get into it through seller financing and cash deals and was able to speak to investors. And that's how everything took off. Mm, that's awesome. How are you finding deals? Are they listed through brokers? Or are you going direct to owners or a mix of both? Right. We have several channels. At this point, John School Capital, we have a team that handles acquisitions and we have built enough relationships throughout our acquisitions in the past to have brokers you know, to offer us on-market, off-market deals. We have relationships with sellers, wholesalers, and online sources, all of the sources. We are confident enough to say that there isn't a deal that goes by on the market that we haven't seen before or passed on, you know, the ones that fit our criteria. So it's really been a great journey. That's great. So you talk a little about a lot of pros, right? There's obviously less, the apartment syndication business, I can tell you, is very heated. and oh, especially extremely. In- 2022, very competitive. Oh. Cap rates are crazy. A lot yeah. of upsides too. It's a very you know stable, well-known platform with a lot of well-socialized benefits, right? From A to Z. You know, what are some of the I guess drawbacks to mobile home parks, or what are you finding to be challenging? So every single asset class has challenging parts to yep. it. Mobile home park has this uniqueness because it's really a parking lot business versus a rental. You know, fixing furnace, fixing electric you know, stove kind of business. So we're primarily focusing on the park itself. It will be like cars parking in our park and paying us a parking fee. So our primary responsibility is to maintain the utility lines. And the biggest challenge I would say is managing relationships with the local authorities as far as maintaining those infrastructure. Because a lot of local authorities do not like mobile home parks for tax reasons. And they, you know, health departments and local permitting offices, they tend to be a little bit difficult to deal with. And the zoning office, they're, they're a little bit difficult. That's probably the biggest hurdle. Once you establish a relationship with them and show them that you're there to create economic opportunities for the residents and create this, you know, solution for their affordable housing crisis for their tenants, for the citizens in the city, they will be willing to work with you. I think that's the biggest hurdle is to, you know, work with authorities as far as your park. Yeah. Very interesting. 
So how are you doing, you know, comp shopping, for example, is it based on the size of the lot? Is there amenities you're looking at? I'm just curious, how does this right. compare to what we call traditional apartment syndication? Right. So for traditional apartment, so there are some things that are similar, some things that are not similar, obviously. So, you know, the net operating income approach is pretty much the primary appraisal process, right? So as in apartment buildings, you have an NOI, net operating income, and then you have a cap rate, right? And then how you appraise the value of your park and the, your apartment building is through, you know, the equation, right? The net yeah. operating divided by cap rate, same way with mobile home parks. The only thing is that we don't, let's say this park has park owned homes, meaning that, you know, the park owns them, you're just renting it out as a rental versus lot rent only, meaning that the tenant owns it is tenants home and they take care of everything inside the home. So we only count the income from the lot rent only as the net operating income. For example, you know, if you're charging $500 for the home rent and $100 for the lot rent, and only the $100 as a lot rent from a banking perspective, they will look at as the income. So that's the important part about appraisal. So that's, you know, how we appraise. And as far as infrastructure, you know, so, you know, we would prefer public utilities. And, you know, if you want to compare comp shopping, like, you know, if you want to compare apples to apples, you'll have to be public utility versus public utility and public sewer versus public sewer. And that's important. Like I said, the biggest money loser in this industry is utility problem, utility failure. And that could cause you $10,000. So we want to make sure that that's a big part of the deal. We want to make sure the utility structure is sound. Yeah. And not unlike apartment buildings, right? You're scoping your lines, you're looking at the public. Right. So it can be 50 or maybe $100,000 at a shot. So you got to get oh, that yeah. right. Right, right. Some things are more similar to different. So what about the financing aspect? You know, is there many options for financing as there are with apartment buildings, for example? It's quite similar, except with a smaller Apartment buildings, you can't really get like a apartment building for like $500,000 unless it's in, you know, really tough shape. But for mobile home park, you can actually get a pretty nice one for that price. And a lot of times, you know, all of our parks have been acquired through either seller financing or full cash. So that really increases the speed of us doing deals and really hasn't been an issue with loans. And, you know, once you get to a certain point, let's say over a million dollars, $2 million in the mobile home park space, you're able to talk to, you know, banks easier because they would see this asset as not as risky. So it's more difficult to get a loan for a small, small mobile home park, but that's why they're on the cheaper side and we're able to get it for cash deals. And that's where this is attractive. But I think that this thing is changing. The landscaping is changing where more and more lenders are more interested in lending money because I've personally bought and sold mobile home park, a mobile home park in the state of Illinois. And I bought it on seller financing, sold it to a buyer who obtained a loan from a local bank. So hasn't been an issue. Great. So if you had to narrow it down to maybe your top, maybe one lesson learned, what would it be? Oh boy. So I think one lesson learned, I think through mobile home park, I would just say the lesson learned is might be a cliche, but you make the money when you buy. So if you buy wrong, it's pretty much game over. (laughs) You can do things to save it, but it's not much more you can do. So you really make the money when you buy, make sure you buy right. You buy at the right cap rate, buy at the right interest rate. You purchase at the right price. Don't overpay, do your due diligence. So everything prior to, you know, the closing date is where you're actually making your dollars. So be careful. So true. So true. So 
someone listening, brand new to the mobile home park business, how do they get involved? Where do they start? I think a great place to start is to, I learned a lot of my mobile home park, you know, mostly through the school of Hart Knox or my actual experience. That's the best way to learn. Really. You don't learn the best until you do it. But I would say, start reading up on mobile home park articles and go check out. There is a website called mobile home park university, and they offer a lot of courses on mobile home parks and webinars and they have boot camps. And if you really want to do it yourself, I will highly recommend them. And if you want to do it with me, which as a passive investor, uh, we have, you know, as you said, at the beginning of the show, I think, you know, through a short period of time, we actually grew the investor subscription of over $4.7 million. And at this point, 24 parks and more to add. So as a passive investor, you don't have to worry about a thing. So we their private equity firm will take care of everything for you. So it just depends on if you want to be an active investor or, you know, grow your portfolio and invest passively. So you mentioned a couple of great sites, you mentioned your firm, which we'll get into here in a minute. Any books you'd recommend or subscription services or other podcasts that are specific to mobile home parks you'd recommend? See, that's the magic and interesting thing about mobile home park is a niche and is kind of a long ignored section. So there's not a designated podcast, not as I know of, that designate itself to mobile home park alone. Most of them is a combo. So, but I would say that go to the website, mobile home park university, they have, I believe their own podcast and that's, they're the only people I think are doing it. And the other ones, I'm not aware of any big ones like that. And so this is why it's an attractive niche because not many people are doing it. And definitely not as many people are doing it big. Sounds like you got an opportunity to be the next bigger pockets of Mobile Home Park. So I <laughs> <laughs> uh, hope so. <laughs> yeah, right. So, I mean, kind of wrapping up here, it sounds like you're right. It's very niche space. There are limited places to go. You know, why not start with you guys? What's the best way to contact you and John's Creek Capital? Right. The best way is to go to our website at johnscreekcapital.com. If you're watching the video, is right here at johnscreekcapital.com. I'm sure you put in the show notes and then go ahead and click on the contact tab and go ahead and fill out the form. I usually respond within an hour or so. Awesome. So number one, thanks for kind of joining us today and breaking off You know what was a very quick, but very informative action-packed show. So thanks so much for joining us, Charlotte. It's a great pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening in with us for another episode of the Crushing Cashflow Podcast. We have a small favor to ask of all of our listeners. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Each subscription and rating will help us massively toward our goal of helping reach as many listeners as possible each week. Thank you very much once again for listening. We're thrilled to have you with us as part of this journey, and we can't wait to share more of these stories with you. Stay tuned for much more to come.